great to be here today. Has everyone got a Bible? So as we go through the Gospels, story by story, sometimes as I teach, I come across passages, and I, last week this was kind of how it went for me, that are a little bit harder to teach through than others. And sometimes as I teach and I read my Bible and I look at the lessons that are given through the passages that I'm studying, I wonder maybe if they don't always seem to apply to me at that time. Have you ever listened to a sermon and just thought, that was a good message for Johnny? I don't know who Johnny is. I didn't know any Johnnies in here, so that's why I chose Johnny. But does it really apply to me? You ever had said that? Or maybe... You hear a message or you read the passage and you just, like, I don't know. I don't really struggle with that. I have. That's happened to me when I've read passages and I've heard sermons. And I've come to realize two lessons about that, that type of wrong type of thinking. And I want to take you to the scripture. First in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm saying this because this is kind of what the Lord spoke to me as I've been reading through my Bible in one year. And sometimes reading through passages, like, um, I don't know. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 12 to 13. If you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. God's Word is always working in our lives. Always. And as we face the temptations that all of us face as we go through this world, the Word will prepare us and equip us for every single thing we will face in this fallen world that we currently reside in. Even in many times when I don't see it right away. It's happened to me so often that I'll read passages and later... The Holy Spirit will bring to me God's Word and equip me in that perfect timing to walk through whatever I was walking through. It's amazing how God's Word just continually is ministering to me. Even at times, sometimes when I read, sometimes, I'm like, I don't know. So God is faithful. He's always faithful to give us just what we need, just at the right time. But that requires each of us to be faithful to spend time with him by being in the word. Look at another passage. 2 Timothy 3.16. You guys know this one. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good thing work. Now, as we continue today through Luke, we're going to be Luke Luke chapter 12, we have been walking, going through Luke, and walking with Jesus and the disciples, and Jesus' crucifixion is very near. So Jesus has been sharing through these different teachings a series of lessons, which I believe, the more I study, seem to really be all tied together. And it's been really interesting to see that as we've gone through that. If you look back, we're going to be in 12 today, but just glance back to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, look at verse 23. Uh, Sorry, look at verse 13. 
So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? And then we turn and we look at verse 23. Anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Look at verse 28. But even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Look at verse 36. If you are filled with light and no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Then it continues, if you were to look in chapter 11, verses 37 through 54, Jesus gave us a warning. The warning of the sorrows of all that practice a sinful lifestyle without repentance. Of those who do not have a right relationship with Christ. Last week, we started, or the week before, I don't remember. Last week, yeah, last week, we're chapter 12 in Luke, 1 through 21. And we got four additional warnings. He warned us of hypocrisy. He warned us of fearing man. He warned us of denying Jesus Christ. And he, beware of covetousness. So last week, hopefully, each of us examined our own walk and asked the Holy Spirit, said, hey, has any of these sins crept into my life? Because you'd be surprised what happens. Jesus also encouraged us last week with some really amazing promises. He said, don't be afraid. Because you are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. He also said that the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what needs to be said. And that life is not measured by how much you own. So today, we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. But as we get into the passage today, as usual, I have questions, lessons. And it's interesting, as I'm going to ask this question, it's not even in my notes. I really feel amazed, and I'm just so blessed to watch how the Holy Spirit works. Because so often, when you do a teaching, you're like, what is this? And then it gets revealed as you start meeting people, even on Sunday. So here's my questions. i got three questions to start us with. What do you worry about? What do you worry about? Do you completely trust and surrender everything before God? Question number three. Is worry a sin? Three questions. So as you think about these questions, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into today's passages. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the privilege to come together and worship, to study your word. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would just reveal to each one of us, Lord, more about who you are and how much you love each one of us and who each one of us is through you. So, Lord, I just pray now that we would set aside all the distractions of the world, all the things that maybe we were even worrying about or thinking about or the list we have or whatever it would be. We just set it aside right now, Lord, and we just want to spend time with you. Spend time to get to know you better, to have a relationship with you through the study of your word. And Lord, if there's anyone here today that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray right now your Holy Spirit would just speak to them, Lord. And they would have a desire, Lord, to seek you, to realize their need of you. So Lord, I praise you, we thank you, Lord, and just ask for your spirit to be poured out on each one of us, Lord, as we study your word. And all God's people said...
Amen. Luke chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. Then turning to the disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food, and your body is more than clothing. Stop right there. A command from Jesus is issued specifically to the disciples. That includes us, right? Do not worry about everyday life. Jesus is exhorting, instructing us because of what had happened before. You remember the story last week? There's this man who had yelled out during Jesus' teaching. Let's look at that again, because we've got to get a little bit of context to look at that parable again. Because Jesus says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. So look back to Luke chapter 12, right there. Look at the parable, verse 13 through 21. It says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he said, told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a right, a rich relationship with God. So last week's story, the parable, was a warning about greed, teaching us to live how to live. To trust God and place our efforts in the kingdom. Does this sound easy? Don't worry. Trust God and put all your efforts in your life to further in his kingdom. As, it's not easy for me. I worry about things. I get worried even with the simplest things. You know, a funny story. I'll give you a little funny joke. I get worried when there's no milk at my fr- in my fridge at night. Some of you are laughing because you know why. Thinking of what's going to happen in the morning when my wife goes to get coffee and there's no milk. Seriously, I was just being a little funny, but this is something I actually do really struggle with is worry. Part of it is, I think, as a man, as a father, as a pastor, I'm responsible in many different areas, right, to provide. To provide for my family, provide for the church, provide for my friends. So I've learned, though, it's true. I am responsible, and I think everyone in here is responsible for different things. But my responsibility is to work hard, is to do the job that God has put in front of me. But then, once I have done what I'm called to do, surrender that then to God. Surrender the results to Him. Trusting Him, knowing that He loves my family. He loves this church more than I can even comprehend. And He desires to provide in all these areas in my life. You know, in this verse, Jesus calls us to know that we are created for more than just seeking worldly provision. He's called each one of us. But as he's called every single one of us and equipped 
each and every one of us with special, unique gifts, if we are so enslaved to worrying, we're not going to be available to be a part of what God wants to do. I mean, He can still use us. He can use anyone. But if we're so wrapped up in worry and anxiety, Jesus has so much more for our lives than us just seeking to provide for our worldly needs. Now, Jesus is going to expound on this. Let's look at verse 24. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. So Jesus uses this example, birds, to help us understand why we don't need to worry. And Jesus, again, in this verse, he mentions value or worth. Who are we to God? Now, we've been, I told you, all these lessons have been connected. Who are we to God? What is our value? What is our worth? This is a topic we just went over the last few weeks. Again, talking about hair. Some of you are looking at me. Somebody told me afterwards, I was like, that was kind of gross, talking about all the hair people lose. But I asked, what is our value or worth before God? Referring to Jesus in Luke chapter 12, verse 7, knowing the number of hairs at every given moment. So again, we're trusting God, because we're talking about worry, but we're trusting God because we know who we are in Him. It's important. And as I studied this passage, I even read about ravens and crows a little bit. You know, part of studying for a message. And most of you maybe know, if you don't know, I was raised in Nevada. And in Nevada, these birds are everywhere. Ravens and crows. And some of you from other places where you're familiar with seeing a lot of ravens and crows. It's interesting to even know the difference. One has like a bigger beak than the other. But they're not good for anything, are they really? They make a lot of noise. They like to eat roadkill. They're squawking all the time. So I, didn't, I never saw any real value in them. These Jewish people even thought less of these birds as I was reading on it. Because they were forbidden to eat. They were a careless animal. They saw them also as just worthless birds. But knowing all we know about these birds, look at in Psalm 147.9, it says, He gives food to the wild animals and feeds the young ravens when they cry. God provides even for these useless birds, so how much more does he give his children? Let's read verse 25 and 26. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Jesus, again, I think he's coming with logic or maybe even kind of common sense to reason with each of us why we need to understand there is absolutely no purpose to worry. He's, Jesus was just teaching the last few weeks again, very similar It does nothing. All it does, worrying, is cause us to become focused on the things other than loving God and his people. So Jesus has given us already, he's already given us three reasons not to worry. For our life is more than, you are far more valuable to him, and can all your worries add anything? So look again at verse 26. What is... 
this thing that Jesus is referring to as a little thing. Add a single moment to your life. This caught my attention. It seems, doesn't really seem like a little thing. To add a moment to your life wouldn't seem like a little thing to me. I was reading this, trying to understand and interpret what this verse meant. I think Jesus also says, what's the point of worrying about bigger things than adding to one's life? Bigger things than adding to one's life. I read this and I kind of had questions. What does this mean? How do I interpret this? And I want to give you a quote from Warren Worsby. Some of you are maybe familiar with Warren Worsby. He says, Jesus pointed out that our worries do not add one extra minute to our lives or one extra inch to our height. The rich farmer's fretting certainly did not lengthen his life. Again, going back to that story. Instead of adding to our lives, our worries take away from our lives. People can worry themselves into the hospital or even into the grave. Jesus is giving a fact here. Worry does nothing. Well, it does something, doesn't it? Nothing good. And again, this story, we, as we studied last week, it's pointless because God is already in control. So, we need to let God be God, don't we? Let God be God and use our time to fulfill the commands He's given us. And stop worrying about the things that belong to God. Jesus is really adamant that we need to understand this, isn't He? I mean, He's going to go on and on that we need to trust Him... And don't worry. So he's going to continue with some examples. Look at verse 27. Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Jesus has given us an example, maybe an analogy, of using flowers. And I read this, and living here in Chiang Mai, in northern Thailand, we see a lot of flowers, don't we? I've never seen flowers like I've seen here. It's amazing. A few weeks ago, we were driving, and Vicky pulls the car over, and everyone piles out two vans full of people, and they saw a whole field of sunflowers. And they all got out, and they looked at this field of sunflowers, and they all went out and ran through all the sunflowers. Maybe it, it sounds a little silly. Maybe not. But it was amazing to stand in the middle of that field, full of sunflowers all the way around, and just witness the beauty of God and his creation. It was amazing. It was. And weeks later, that field was gone, wasn't it? It was gone, just like in this story. So Jesus is painting a picture in these passages for us to look at what he can do, then remember truly what can we do. With all of our abilities, we can't even come close to what he can do. Again, he says, let me be your Lord and trust me. Look at verse 28. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Jesus has given us a word that I really believe each of us can stand on, a promise he's given us that he well, care for us. With this alone, right? We should have no reason to worry, should we? He said, I'll care for you. I'll take care of you. That should end all of our worry right there, right? Unless we really don't trust the word of God. 
I struggle with worry. Jesus asked us, why do you have so little faith? You know, I thought about this. How do I answer that? I believe in Jesus. I believe in his word. He told me he's going to take care of me. And it, even better, I've been a Christian for quite a while, and I've got a foundation built up over decades that he has always been faithful. Decades. And he's always been faithful, yet I worry. He says right here, why? Why do you have so little faith? How do you answer that? What do you say to that? This is Jesus asking. Why? Don't, don't you trust him? I don't have an answer, but to repent and keep resting on the promise he's given to us each and every day. I repent each and every day of my lack of faith, my lack of trust, and commit each and every morning to him once again. And come before him and say, I trust you that your words are true, and I know that you will take care of me and my family and everyone else around me that I'm responsible for. So Jesus isn't done with this lesson. It's very apparent. We've got to be told in many ways and repetitively that we need not to worry. Look at verse 29 through 30. And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Jesus is continually assuring us that he knows what we need and he again will provide for each and every one of our needs. You know, I want to be clear about one thing. Because I think someone could maybe slightly misinterpret this passage. I don't think this is saying, in fact, I know it's not saying that we should neglect work or, take, or neglect taking care of the things that need to be done in our lives. That's not what it's saying. Jesus has clearly called each one of us to be faithful in all things, to be diligent in all the works that he's called us to. But Jesus is saying once we have done that, and we've done what he's asked for us for the day, trust him. Stop worrying. Stop being anxious about how it's going to tur- turn out. Because we're not responsible for that, are we? We're to be faithful in the works that he's called us to do, And let him be God and let him take care of these things. Look at verse 30 again. Look at verse 30. He says, These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers over the world, but your father already knows your needs. So he gives two very important statements in that verse. First one, worry should not be part of a Christian's life. Worrying is something that only belongs to the unbeliever. If we have placed our faith in Jesus, we have nothing to worry about, do we? Do we actually have anything truly to worry about if we have placed our faith in Jesus? Secondary thing I see in that verse is that God already knows what we need. He knows before we know. Think about that. And I'll add that as God knows our needs, he truly knows our needs. Like, sometimes we think our needs are not, they're not always what we really need. God knows what we really need and promises to provide for all of our needs. And he will give what we need to accomplish his will in our lives. Look at verse 31. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. So this instructions that Jesus is giving has now has been focused on worry. But now it's starting to transition a bit in what we should do in place of worrying. We should be following Jesus and following his promises and being faithful. I'm going to give you a quote from Chuck Smith. And I think this quote is just pivotal. 
God is first. Seek the kingdom of God first. He will take care of all other things you need if you put him first. But what if you don't put him first? Your whole life will be spent trying to get enough food, trying to get enough clothes, striving to get more of everything and never being satisfied. And if you don't put him first, you will not have time for him at all. He will be crowded out by all the other concerns. If you put God first, he promises to take care of all your other needs. You know, as a pastor, so many people just over the many years, and I think maybe some of you experienced, come up to me sometimes and they ask for maybe advice on marriage. Or maybe they come up and they ask advice on finances or money. Or they come to ask me and they ask me about children. How do you raise children? Or even about the ministry and the work that we've been such a privilege to be a part of here in Asia. How do you do that? How do you do that? What's the, what's the plan? What's the outline for all these things, right? How do you have a good marriage? How do you have children that love and respect you? How do you have all these things? I'm going to tell you the secret right now. Make Jesus number one in your life. It's that simple. Read your Bible daily. Spend time with him daily. Be in prayer daily and be in fellowship and part of a local body. God will take care of every one of your needs if you put him first in your life. It's amazing. And I, I, I don't know the form. That's the formula. You know, I have been through marriage classes. I've been through college. I take biblical counseling. Put God first and he will take care of you. Most people, honestly, they keep asking that question. God is not truly first in their lives. And it's... It's really sad when I see it, and I see it every single day. I want this, I want this, and I want these gifts. God is not truly number one in their lives. Now, I don't know how it all works, but Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and he will give you everything you need. That's everything. That's every aspect of our life. I'm here to testify, year after year, Jesus has been faithful. I, we live in a fallen world, right? We go through tough times. Things happen always been faithful to me and my family. Let's continue. Look at verse 32. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Jesus is so compassionate. It's beautiful. Jesus has taught us not to worry through the many examples, encouraging us that he will provide, that we should not worry, but it pleases God greatly. It gives him happiness to provide for each one of us. On the backside of not worrying, it pleases him. Just think about that. It's amazing. It pleases him. Reading this, I asked myself, am I allowing, okay, listen, am I allowing God to provide for me? Am I allowing him to provide for me? Or am I trying all the time to provide for myself? It's hard. I got a family. Maybe it's even kind of a fine line, right? Being responsible and doing what you need to do, but truly allowing God to provide for you. Again, it's not an excuse not to do the work that's in front of you. Look at verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven will never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Action is what comes down to this lesson. He asks us to have faith and believe for him to provide. Then he asks us to live that out in faith. This, to me, is 
what Jesus is looking for us. It's a surrendered heart. Someone who will lay everything down at the altar, at the cross, and say, Lord, here's everything. Here I am. I think it's about your heart. I want to share a, a, from my ESV study Bible. It says, In contrast to the world's preoccupation with possessions, the disciples are to be characterized by exceedingly great generosity, especially in giving to those in need. The call to serve Jesus requires each one of us trust him. This could mean, this could mean selling everything you got and moving to a foreign land. Could mean that. But what I really see here again, it's a matter of the heart. Are we willing to completely trust Jesus, then in faith, to go about each day knowing that he'll provide? I don't think every one of us called to go sell every single thing, but the heart behind it, that's what he's after. He wants that heart. It reminds me of the Lord's Prayer, asking God to provide our daily bread each day. That's the heart he wants. Knowing, then, that he will provide and take care of us. Let's finish up. Look at verse 34. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus, as we've gone through Luke, starting to go through this, he's closed up these lessons with some pretty powerful verses. And we looked at them a little bit earlier, but look at, go back to a page or so. Look at Luke eleven thirty six. It said, If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as through a floodlight we're filling you with light. Look at twelve twelve, For the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time which needs to be said, Look at verse 21. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. And again, look at 34 today. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Jesus is, he's preaching. He's got some powerful lessons in there for us. It goes back to our question that I started with. Is worry a sin? It can be. It can be. I don't have a direct answer. I know not trusting God is a sin. So how do we stop worrying? I mean, let's just get to the application. How do we stop? What's that look like? And again, I'm going to kind of refer back to my study Bible. They just, they did a great job. They had some great points, and I want to share them with you. The first point they gave is, how do you overcome worry in your life? They said, simply trust in God. Your heavenly Father, the trust expressed by praying to Him rather than worrying. So when you worry, pray. Number two, they said, perspective on your problems. This can be gained by developing a strategy for addressing and correcting your problems. Many things that we worry about when we have proper perspective probably doesn't matter that much. Third one, they said, a support team. Find some believers who will pray for you to find wisdom and strength to deal with your worries. Being part of the local church. This goes back to what I was saying earlier. If you're part and you're in fellowship and you can share with other brothers and sisters, it's amazing what prayer will do through that. Now, I got, I got so many points. I got seven more points. Seven reasons not to worry. How about this one? This is how to, that was first was how to overcome, right? Now, how about how not to worry? Why we should not worry? And again, there's a similar teaching that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. 
Different story, same lesson. Different time frame, same lesson. But there were seven reasons that they had pulled out of that that I think are amazing for each one of us today. First one is, and this is out of Matthew chapter 6, and I won't give you all the verses, but the same God who created life in you can be trusted with the details of your own life. Ready for this one? Worrying about the future hampers your efforts for that day. Worrying is more harmful than helpful. God does not ignore those who depend on him. There's scripture reference for each one of them, and the notes are up there. You can scan too if you're interested. Worrying shows a lack of faith in an understanding of God. Worrying keeps us from real challenges God wants us to pursue. Living one day at a time keeps us from being consumed with worry. A lot of points. But these are scriptural examples of why we shouldn't worry because of who God is. In closing, I was looking at my notes. It was kind of interesting. You know, I don't know if you guys keep notes like from study. And it's like 10 years ago, I saw some notes on a message. I taught on this before. And I was looking at my notes. And I had here some points that I had put out before. And it's very interesting to read. And here's my points from before. Where does tomorrow exist? Because we're always worried about that, right? Where does tomorrow exist? It's in our heads, right? It doesn't even exist yet. Today, right now, is real. But tomorrow hasn't even happened yet. Why are you worrying about it? Tomorrow is subject to our imagination, isn't it? Tomorrow is subject to our imagination. Which, when left to my imagination, bad things happen. There's a battle that takes place in my mind, and Satan likes to play with me there. Spiritual warfare. So I'm best not to go there. I need to just focus on what God's got me for me today and trust God about tomorrow. So Jesus tells us, doesn't he tell us not to think about tomorrow? Let's close with reading Matthew 6:33 and then we'll pray. Matthew 6 verse 33 and 34. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Amen? Let's pray as the worship team heads up. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this message, Lord. Just a great reminder. We don't have to be anxious. We don't have to worry because we serve a God that is bigger than all of these things, Lord. And we are your children as we have came to faith in you, Lord. And you love each and one of us, Lord. And it gives you pleasure. It gives you joy. It gives you happiness, Lord, to provide for us in all the different areas of our lives. So, Lord, I just pray that each one of us, Lord, through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, Lord, would just learn to rely and trust upon you, Lord. Because the more that we learn how to do this, Lord, and just know who you are and who we are, Lord, the less we need to worry. Because we serve a God that is bigger than all this, Lord. So I'm going to let you be God, Lord. And I'm going to be the one who is here today just seeing how I can serve you. Lord, I praise you and I thank you for this amazing lesson, Lord. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that each one of us, Lord, would reflect on that, Lord. As so many of us have these different anxieties going on. We wonder what's going to take place next. How are we going to provide for our loved ones? What's going to take place with their health? There's so many worries that each one of us carry in burden. But, Lord, we lay it all down before you right now, Lord. We trust you, Lord. We know how much you love each one of us. You love each one of us so much, Lord, that you gave your son and said, don't worry. So, Lord, 
I just pray right now, each one of us that is facing a burden, that's walking through difficult times, that Lord is wondering, Lord, that we would just lay that down right now before the cross. And say, Lord, I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I've done what you've asked me today. I've been faithful to do the works that you've called me to do. And then I trust you. And whatever the results are, Lord, many times in my life I've seen results that I didn't understand or why this was happening. But so much is more is revealed as I've seen over years and years of time. You're always faithful. If there's anyone here today that does not know you, doesn't even understand what it means to truly be without worry or anxiety, Lord, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would speak to them, Lord. Lord, they'd cry out to you and come before you and turn to you and place their faith in you. So, Lord, I just thank you for the privilege of studying your word. Please just let this be worship before you. And, Lord, I just, again, I just pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, just to minister to us, Lord. Let us go out there boldly each day, Lord, and fulfill the Great Commission. Go out there and boldly, Lord, just watch your gifts be poured out. And go out there, Lord, without worry or concern, Lord, and knowing that you're a God that loves us so dearly and will take care of every single one of our needs. And all God's people said, Amen.